You're listening to the Whitewater Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org slash give. Let's dive into this week's message together. Happy Easter and welcome to Whitewater Church. So glad that you've joined us. And I just want to start our sermon today with a simple question. How do you deal with loss? I find that, you know, everybody responds a little bit differently to loss. Um, Let me give you a few examples. Here's a picture of my daughter when she was dealing with some loss. (laughs) Here's how some people might feel like their inner child might feel when they deal with the loss for their favorite team. And here's how maybe Seahawks fans are dealing with the loss of Russell Wilson. You can see uh, many people these days going through all the stages of grief uh, as Seahawks fans. Denial, anger, bartering, acceptance, numbness, and even avoidance. We all deal with loss differently. But going through the pandemic, many of us have experienced profound loss on many different levels. I wonder what loss or losses you've been carrying around in your life these days. The feelings we have associated with loss are are tough. Sometimes we just want to avoid them. But how do you deal with loss? Grief is the expression of goodness lost. Good relationship, a good job, good health, uh, a good dream, a loved one. Grief is the expression of goodness lost. What happens when loss is not grieved? Well, you see some of the emotional outbursts and anger, deep sadness in our world. And uh, I wonder at times how much ungrieved loss has played a part in the divisions of our world. When grief is not acknowledged, good cannot be seen. And what happens when goodness and grace can't be seen? Joy, hope, faith begin to fade and dim and bitterness can grow. You know, Hebrews 12, 15 says, And wisely warns us that make sure there's no root of bitterness that grows up that might cause trouble and pollute many people. Bitterness can just start growing up so quickly in our lives and it affects everything. I'd like to give three portraits of loss found in the Bible. And then I'd like to invite anyone who's experienced or experiencing loss to maybe take a step toward healing. The setting for these three portraits is found in John's gospel, chapter 20. This is after Jesus has been crucified, buried in the tomb. We join the story as Jesus' followers were facing a deep emptiness of the loss of their Lord and Savior. Here's the first portrait. Mary stood outside near the tomb, crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, Why are you crying? So in this first portrait, the response to loss is weeping. It's crying. Mary is weeping outside the tomb. Weeping occurs, you know, when our hearts are crushed, when our hopes are crushed. It's interesting to note that the disciples, Peter and John, had actually just been in the tomb in the same place, but they didn't see angels like Mary does. Weeping occurs when our hearts are crushed and our hopes are gone. It's interesting to note that the disciples, Peter and John, had actually just been in the tomb before Mary, but they don't see the angels like Mary does. I wonder sometimes if maybe the divine becomes easier to see through our tears and our loss. 
Whatever the case may be, Mary replied, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. This is why she's crying. She doesn't know where Jesus is. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But get this, she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? He knows. But he's asking her. She's in this state where she's just, she's weeping. She's crushed by her grief. Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. When he says her name, she recognizes who he is. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone to be with my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And then she told them what he said to her sharing a a new redeemed story, the story of loss that has now been redeemed. She shared her tears with Jesus. She lets go of her old story and she lets Jesus begin writing a new story of this redeemed loss. Jesus gives her the gift of a message of hope. I want you to notice in this portrait that Jesus doesn't say, uh, you know, hold on to me, stay here. He says, don't hold on to me. Don't cling, don't stay here. Move forward with your story. There's work for you to do. That's a powerful moment. And there's a lot of different interpretations, but uh, is it possible that Jesus, one of the things that we can take from this is not to stay with our loss, not to just stay in that place with Jesus where we, we, like everything's kind of safe and comfortable, but that Jesus gives us a new story of redeemed loss to go share our hope and healing for others. God uses our pain for others' good. And sometimes our most powerful ministry comes from our deepest pain. Here's the second portrait of loss. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. Jesus finds the disciples hiding. This is the second response to loss, hiding. Hiding often occurs when we already feel abandoned. In the Garden of Eden, God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? And they answered, we were naked and afraid, so we hid. We hide when we're feeling hurt, afraid, abandoned, maybe betrayed or alone. In pain and loss, we sometimes hide from each other. We hide from ourselves. We often try to hide from God. We see here Jesus gives us his presence, the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The interesting thing is that although we try to hide from God sometimes and others, we can't really hide from God's presence. God pursues us and loves us. Watch the rest of this unfold. When the disciples saw the Lord Jesus, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them, which is kind of weird until you read this next part, receive the Holy Spirit. We know that, that one of the signs of the Spirit is like, is like wind. It's like air. It's this movement of God. 
Jesus gives the, the community that's hiding the gift of joy through the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And he invites them to come out of hiding and, and from their loss by empowering them to live as a spirit-led community. Here's the third portrait of loss. Thomas, the one they called Didymus, one of the 12, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the wounds left by the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. I mean, Thomas here is struggling. And this is the response of doubt. This is how he's responding to loss. He begins doubting everything and everyone. When we go through seasons of loss, often we can begin to doubt everything, everyone, and maybe like even convictions we've held uh, very deeply in our life. When disappointment comes, a doubt begins to creep in so easily. Um, And that's what happens sometimes when we face pain and loss. The story unfolds even more. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. Can you imagine that? They're just like seeing Jesus. And the, the last thing they expect, Thomas has been doubting the whole time. And Jesus looks at Thomas and says, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus invited Thomas to see with his eyes and feel with his hands and his heart to discover and see for himself that Jesus was back. He had been resurrected in the power of God. Verse 29, Jesus replied, do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Some of us are listening to the story. Jesus talking about us. Like we might not to get to see uh, the and feel the wounds in Jesus' hands like Thomas, but many of us have believed or we're on a journey toward belief. Verse 30, it says this, then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded, you know, in this book or this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's son, and that believing you will have life in his name. This is the reason I'm sharing these three portraits is is so that we can start moving from loss and grief um, toward Jesus who gives us life and a life that's full of abundance. The three responses we see to the loss in the resurrection story of Jesus are weeping, hiding, and doubting. I don't know how you deal with loss, but some of the responses that maybe you've had in your life are like Mary weeping at the tomb or like the disciples hiding behind locked doors or maybe like Thomas where you're just doubting everything and everyone. Notice Jesus' response to all of these responses to loss, the weeping, the hiding, the doubting. Jesus doesn't condemn any of them, but he does invite them to move forward. He doesn't want them to get stuck. It's also interesting to note that although Jesus didn't condemn any of these three responses, when he faced the loss of his good friend who actually died named Lazarus, he didn't hide or doubt. He wept like Mary wept. Maybe we hide and we doubt because we don't want to weep at the truth of our pain and loss. Be that as it may, 
Jesus doesn't condemn any of these responses in us. He simply invites us to move forward. The good news of Easter is this. For those who are weeping for our loss and pain, Jesus invites us to move from weeping and sorrow to telling a new story of our loss being redeemed. For those of us hiding from our loss and our pain, Jesus invites us to move from hiding to being in his presence together in spirit-led community. And finally, for those who are doubting from their loss and pain and disappointment, Jesus invites us to move from our doubt to trust and belief. Would you watch this story of a dear friend sharing about how she journeyed through a story of loss and pain? I'm Aubrey. About a year ago, Nick, my husband, and I decided that we wanted to start a family. At the time, been married about three years, and it was just seemed natural time. I've always wanted children. Three months in, nothing's happening. I'm like, hmm, this little voice is creeping up. Something's not right. Time keeps going by, and I'm feeling not good. Um, and I can just tell something's not right. I get recommended a doctor who apparently specializes a little bit more in these problems. And he looks at me and he says, well, one thing's for sure, kiddo, you're not ovulating. And it's frustrating because part of me feels like this should be easy, God. Why didn't you make this easy for me? I don't know what's going to happen, and that's really hard for me um, with my anxiety. And there are those days where that voice creeps up that says, maybe you're not meant to be a mom. Maybe you wouldn't be good at it. That's not true. And um, God reminds me of who he is. I can try to write my own story, and it's never going to be as good as the story God writes for me. I had this dream one night where we were leading worship somewhere for something and Aubrey was leading this song. And I remember thinking in, in my dream, like, this is a cool song, we should, we should do this song for church. So I woke up and I immediately started Googling, trying to find the lyrics of the song and realized that it wasn't a song, I had just baited up in my dreams. And I just quickly made a voice memo, jotted down as much of it as I could remember. In my coming and my going in the fire and in the flood called Aubrey and Jeff to get together to see if we could kind of finish writing this song. I listened, we had sort of a rough idea of what it sounded like and you had some words. The song is all about God being good all the time, even when it doesn't feel like it. And we got to the third verse and I asked Aubrey if she would kind of write from the perspective of what she's been going through. When I feel I like you let me down. Something like that. Yes. I kind of just wrote how I'd been feeling. You know, you lift my feet and carry me to the places I can't see. And that's really true. 
I, I wasn't sure. I couldn't see the other side. I'm still getting glimpses of the other side. But God brings you there. Even when you're disappointed and you're upset, it's okay to say, I don't see it right now, but I trust you. Um, just remind me. I had a lot of Sundays of singing with tear-filled eyes, worshiping and just like, just telling God, God, I'm sad, you know I'm sad, so I'm just working through it with Him. He's using those times to stretch us and to really help us to learn how to go through those things, how to have those emotions, and that it's okay. When I'm angry, disappointed, and I feel like you've let me down, you lift my feet and carry me to the places I can't see. About a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, we were filming our Easter service for last year, and it was pretty cool. It was the first time we'd got to play music together as a band in almost a year. We COVID tested and got to play maskless all in a room together. It was neat to like go into it and to worship together and to like have that joy. Like I think all of us had a really good time that night because it'd been a while since we got to, and it was the first time we played that song at all. In my There's just something about that night, the band, when they were playing, it just felt like God's presence was uh, just so present in the room. It was such, such a special, special night I'll never forget. And uh, all the while, Aubrey knew something that we didn't know. We were leaving after packing up, and she turned around and said, hey, before we go, I have something I need to show you guys. And she pulled out an ultrasound. To see God's promise come into fruition and just to be able to praise Him, you know? Like, oh, I get to like thank you and be like excited when I sing this song and have this joy that you gave me. The whole timeline is four years and four months that it took for me to get pregnant. It still blows my mind that there is really a baby in here. It's sort of like, this is what you prayed for. <laughs> get ready. Sometimes I feel like it's not real. She's doing great. She's got a spunky little personality, and we just feel like she is the joy of our lives. She's a really, really fun baby. You are good all the time. You are good. It doesn't always feel like it, but he is. There are certain things that may not come to fruition until the very end. Maybe you don't get healing until heaven, and I really struggle with that. You're praying the same thing over and over again. You're seeing people um, come out of their desert season and you're still feeling stuck. Let people know. Sharing 
my sorrow and having people share in that meant everyone sharing in that joy. God sees you where you're at. He knows your heart and he's kind and he's gentle. He wants good things for us. And it's so easy to get caught up in like what you think is best for yourself. It's like I said, you can try to write your own story, but it's, it's never gonna be as good as what God writes for you. And I'm living that now. When you're in this crazy sleep deprivation and you're doing whatever you can to get your baby to go back to sleep, I would just be rocking and singing that to her and thinking, I remember when we were writing this and telling God, like, when I'm angry, when I'm disappointed, I feel like you've let me down. You lifted me, you carried me. Here we are, hallelujah, you never stop loving me. And it's true, it's true. I could never in my wildest dreams imagine it better. Like God is so good. Yeah.
I love Aubrey's story and her journey of faith through the, this loss and type of pain. But the story God writes with us, the song God gives us to sing, doesn't always end the way we want this side of heaven. Aubrey's story ends in a pretty incredible way. But even she notes that wounds that we have don't always heal. The miracle doesn't always happen. And when we go through pain and loss, we can sometimes wonder, how can God be good when life is so bad? Have you ever wondered that? If the life, death, and new resurrection life of Jesus teaches us anything, it's that God deeply grieves pain and loss. He knows pain and loss. And Jesus willingly went through pain and loss to heal the world and put things right on the cross. The resurrected Jesus helps Mary, Thomas, and the disciples move from loss to new life. How could God not be good if he's willing to feel a great loss and go through great loss for you and for me? I love what Aubrey said. There are certain things that don't come to fruition until the very end. Maybe you don't get the healing until heaven. And I really struggle with that. You're still feeling stuck? Let people know. Sharing in my sorrow and having people share in that meant everyone sharing in the joy. Don't go through sorrow alone. And regardless of whether you believe in God or not, we all have to face losses of our life. How do you face them? What loss has you stuck right now? What are you grieving? Or maybe what are you not grieving? Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, a dream, a job, health, relationships. Can you name your loss? Can you open your heart to the pain that you've experienced? And be honest about it. Can you open yourself up to the pain others are going through? How many of us have been standing at the tomb weeping, hiding from our fears, doubting everything and everyone because of our loss? And we've gone through a season the last few years that I don't know anybody who hasn't been touched by some kind of loss. How many of us are weeping our tears, hiding from our fears, or doubting the peers that God has put into our life? Sometimes we don't realize the loss that we carry around with us or the losses others are carrying. What's standing between you and the healing that Jesus offers? Aubrey moved from weeping to seeing Jesus had a new story he was writing and redeeming her loss. Aubrey moved from hiding to opening up to her community, something that she could have kept locked away. She opened to a spirit-filled community and she moved from doubting to trusting. I love Aubrey's own words where she said, God sees your heart. God sees you where you're at. He knows your heart and he's kind and he's gentle. He wants good things for us. You can try to write your own story, but it's never going to be as good as what God writes for you. God is so good. Aubrey's story reminds us that God is writing a story, that God is writing a song with our life. What song, what story is God writing with your life? I want to invite you to take a step of faith toward Jesus today, from loss toward new life, a writing of a new song of redeemed loss. For those who are doubting, Jesus invites us to move from doubt to belief, 
So I want to invite you to take a step of exploring and trusting Jesus for yourself like Thomas. You don't have to do it through other people. Um, you don't have to like believe through other people, but to experience faith and to discover faith at your own pace, would you make a step of saying, I'm going to explore faith in Jesus? Would you take a step of exploring faith in Jesus or maybe trusting Jesus for the first time and saying yes to him and all he has to offer? The second step is for those of us hiding, Jesus invites us to move from hiding to being in his presence together in spirit-led community. And I want to invite you to take the step of spiritual community like the disciples in the room. The best way at Whitewater to do this is to join our journey track. It's a four-week class designed for your spiritual growth and spiritual community. Reach out to us and let us know if you'd be interested in joining a group of other people, grow spiritually and in community, and not doing life on their own. For those of us who are weeping, Jesus invites us to move from weeping our sorrow to telling a new redeemed story of loss. I want to invite you to take a step of sharing your tears with Jesus and allow Jesus to write a redeemed story of loss in your life. People who take these steps toward Jesus, you know, we see it with the disciples and throughout the ages. People who take steps toward Jesus with their loss and their grief, move from grief to joy, from loss to hope, from isolation to spiritual family. What would you allow to stand between you and moving forward with Jesus? What would it look like if you were to walk forward with Jesus in more freedom today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer of healing from loss. If you're wanting to take a step, whatever that step is today, I want to invite you to, to pray this prayer with me. Pray with me. Jesus, you know the pain of loss through the pain of the cross. You also are the giver of new life after loss. I give you my tears my hiding, my doubting, and I ask you to begin healing me. Would you help me move from doubt to trust, from hiding to honesty, and from tears to a story of tears redeemed? Jesus, you are my savior, my teacher, and my healer. The best I know how, I give my life over to your healing love. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you so much. And if you took a step of faith today, I'm praying with you and for you. Our whole church is for you and excited. And if this has been helpful to you in any way, share it with a friend. I love you so much. See you next week.